Good morning, and welcome to Our American Heritage. I am Arch Hunter, the host of the program. Our American Heritage is a program where we explore in depth the American experience from its beginning through the present. And today we want to welcome as our guest, Selena Baker. Selena, welcome, and thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Well, it's, it's, it's good to have you on. Uh, Selena is a multi-award winning author and an avid student, avid student of the colonial <laughs> time period and the American Revolution. Uh, her lifelong passion for history and all things supernatural led her to write historical fantasy readings, extensive travel and graveyard prowlings with her husband has kept her passion alive. And you still live in Austin, Texas? Yes, I do. Okay. Would you share with our listeners a little bit more about your background and education and your interest in our topic today? Sure. I'm originally from Florida, but I've lived in Austin, Texas for 30 years. I have a degree in computer science, so I came here because of the tech job. Austin's obviously a tech city. I started writing in 2005, but I began writing about the American Revolution in 2016. And I have a four-book adult historical fantasy series about the American Revolution called Angels and Patriots. From that series spawned my intense interest of General Nathaniel Green because he's an important character in the series. And I've written a novel about him titled The Line of Splendor, which is due to release uh, later this year, hopefully October. And our listeners were able to get all your books on Amazon or other yes. places? All of them are on Amazon. Okay. I and also have two that are set in Victorian America. They're also historical fantasy as well. And you also have a blog and a website, correct? Yes, I do. Okay. And if you would share that with our listeners so they could be able to contact you? Uh, my website is www.selinabbaker.com. S-A-L-I-N-A-B-Baker.com. And my blog is SelinaBakerAuthor.com. So listeners, you can please uh, contact Selena or you're able to purchase her books through Amazon. I met Selena a couple weeks ago over at the Freedoms Foundation. She was there for the history camp and you were doing a lecture on Nathaniel Green. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. And Jeff Scott, our vice president of education, introduced me to Selena for a couple of minutes. And she, listeners, she looked at me like I had three different heads, probably because <laughs> I never, I never make a good first impression, Selena, and the impressions <laughs> of me go downhill after that. And we chatted for only a couple of minutes about Nathaniel Green, and I walked away. And then I thought, I wonder if Selena would like to do some interviews about Nathaniel Green. So I walked back to Selena, and and um, she was very excited to do these interviews, which I am grateful for. So that is how we are in contact with each other. So I was very excited to meet you and Jeff as well. The whole day was exciting. It was. I, I you know, mm-hmm. I never, I was not familiar with the history camp until it came to the Freedom Foundation a couple of weeks ago. So an, I did another, the one in Boston last year. That was really good. It was at Suffolk Law University. And uh, that was really fun too. And, and do they go back and forth from Boston or other locations or? Yes. Okay. Are they going to be back in our, our the Philadelphia area? Do you know? Or I'm not sure. I know there's another history camp Boston in August, uh, which I'm not attending only because I've been to a couple of places in Pennsylvania this spring talking about Nathaniel Green, including mm-hmm. Washington's Crossing. Okay. 
So, Nathaniel Green, Celine, uh, first, what interests you first about Nathaniel Green? And then begin to share some of his life story because he is actually also my favorite Revolutionary War general. What perked your interest in Nathaniel Green? Um, honestly, it was his personality. Uh, he, there was a lot about him, a part about him that was a man that a lot of people don't see or think about. And as I wrote about him, I could see this person evolving as a man, a person who was sensitive to criticism, who was savvy and smart, who was loyal. And as he grew as a person and a general at the same time, a protege of Washington's, and how he was very, he was very respectful for uh, government and military. And I just found him fascinating as I began to constantly put the pieces of his life together. Where he came from as a child and uh, being raised as a Quaker and where he ended up to being our commanding officer in the South is just, it's a fascinating story that that's what perked me about Nathaniel Green. So share, please, whatever you would like about Nathaniel Green. And, and because as you and I know, not a lot of Americans know much about Nathaniel Green, but it's a shame. So yes, it is a Whatever shame. you'd like to share. He, uh, he was born in Rhode Island on August 7th, 1742. And he was the fourth son of a Quaker preacher and prosperous businessman. Nathaniel and his brother's education was limited to reading, writing, and math because their father thought that book learning beyond that led to temptation and sin. So Nathaniel began to read books on his own. He disagreed with his father's views on academic pursuits and began to gather books, read them on his own. And he began to also reject the formal doctrines of the Quaker religion. So this kind of shows him being a rebellious kind of young man in the beginning of his life where he took steps to improve himself despite his circumstances. He ran the, the family iron forges in Coventry, Rhode Island. He was sent there when he was 28 to manage and operate them. So he pounded smelt into anchors along with the other men that worked in the iron forges. So he was, you know, built up his, his strength. He had big upper body and he was a strong man. And um, he spent a lot of time with distant relatives in Rhode Island. They talked a lot about the rebellion in America, parliamentary taxes and control of, a, of colonial autonomy. He and his brothers had a ship called the Fortune, which was confiscated for not paying taxes in the Newport, in the Newport docks there, and their ship got confiscated. And that event was actually was part of leading to the burning of the Gatsby, which happened in June 1772. Selena, what was, I, I'm familiar with his difficult relationship with his father over the years. In your opinion, what pulled Nathaniel Green away from the Quaker religion as he began to mature into young adulthood? That is not something I can answer with a you know a good point because he just he just began to drift off as far as going to places in Connecticut that were disapproved of by the Society of Friends. He used military language. He actually acted as a lawyer sometimes for lawsuits 
that were brought against his father's business, and he often used military terms. Mm-hmm. Um, he attended plays, which was strictly forbidden. These were just the actions that he did as he started to pull away from his childhood in the strict doctrines of the mm-hmm. Quaker religion. And the reason, Celine, I'm asking you that is because of all the things that I've read about Nathaniel Green, I've never gotten the opinion that he was just some uh, crazy, wild teenager who was just going to rebel. But it seemed like he just migrated in his knowledge and maturity away from the, the Quaker religion, which caused great problems with his family and, and, and their what they believed. Yes, he he thought things out, like you said, and he didn't just act out of thought, although he did would sneak out of his bedroom window and attend dances, and then he'd come home and his father would would whip him with a horse whip. <laughs> so that you know, teenagers are going to be rebellious, and he did, and so and he had a limp. So whether it was from jumping out his bedroom window or operating the trip hammer at the forge, no one's really sure exactly how he acquired that limp. Yeah. Uh, physically, what did Nathaniel Green uh, look like other than he he had this um, over uh, limp? He was 5'10". They determined that when they found his, I won't go into this real for real deep, but they found his remains in Colonial Cemetery in Savannah in 1901. And when they found his remains, they were able to measure his bones and determine that he was 5'10", that he was well-built, uh, stocky on the especially on the top probably from working in the iron forges he had blue eyes and he had sandy blonde hair he also had asthma and a smallpox scar on his right Hmm. eyeball that was often infected to the point where he was completely blinded so as he was growing up and he worked in the uh, forge how did he get to the place where he had any knowledge at all about anything militarily going on that he was able to be hired by Washington for the Continental Army. He, um, well, like I said, they spent, he le- spent a lot of time, especially in East Greenwich, with relatives discussing the rebellious state in America over parliamentary taxes. So he knew about this. He knew about the Boston Tea Party. He often went to Boston to um, buy books. He knew Henry Knox from the Boston, a Boston bookseller, Henry Knox became a general in the Continental Army as well, and they were friends. Uh, but Nathaniel joined the East Greenwich uh, Militia Company called the Kentish Guards in 1774 as a private. And he applied for a lieutenant, and they denied him because of his limp. He, mm-hmm. They said he was it was unofficer-like. Uh, but when the first shots of the American Revolution were fired in uh, Massachusetts on April 19, 1775, the Kentish Guards were called out. So he went with them toward Massachusetts, and um, they were returned. They were turned back at the border and told to go back. So a few days later, the Rhode Island General Assembly formed an army of observation to join the siege of Boston. The Patriots had Boston under siege at that time, and um, they pulled Nathaniel from the ranks and made him a general. And that still, no one is quite sure why, except for perhaps that he had family ties. That he was a businessman who had to supervise people. So that's how he ended up going was uh, as a general, as, as a provincial general, brigadier general. So he forms this militia 
and he doesn't become the commanding officer because no. he, he he has this limp. And but he still stays with him as a private, and yeah. then a little while longer, he is immediately uh, ascending to a general of a whole a whole different aspect. Which is exactly that, that is a fascinating story within itself. Now, yes, it is. But all of a sudden, yeah, and now he's leading an army of fifteen hundred new recruits mm-hmm. toward Roxbury, Massachusetts, to join the siege of Boston. And I don't know, you know, oftentimes, Selena, we talk about the what ifs. Boy, what if with, with the uh, militia that he had formed that he became their commanding officer, how much of our history would be different? At, yeah, at that exactly. Point? That's exactly oh. true, because their commanding officer was James Barnum, and he mm-hmm. became a general in the Continental Army, but nowhere near the, you know, the general that Nathaniel Green was. Yes. The ship, the Fortune, you mentioned that that's a family ship that was seized by the British? Yes. It was seized by a Royal Naval officer named William Duddingston. Okay. And Thano brought a lawsuit, him and his brothers, they both own, they all own the ship together. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought a lawsuit against Duddingston, and, which was another thing the Quakers frowned upon was sure. them suing someone. Yes. And when the Gatsby was seized and then it was burned, do you know that if Nathaniel Green was actually involved in that incident? <laughs> he says he wasn't. He was accused. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I don't know for sure. <laughs> so we, we don't really know for sure, but there's a possibility that he might have been involved in that incident. Yes. <laughs> which, which, again, is absolutely contrary to the Quaker religion as he's, as he's pulling away from it. Yes. Point. So... Share with our listeners, please, about his relationship that he had with Henry Knox. Uh, he and Henry had met each other, like I said, at Henry's bookstore. They became very close friends. He often, when he felt, when Nathaniel felt, I call him Nathaniel because, it's, you know, I, <laughs> I'm uh, pretty close to him in my mind. So when Nathaniel would become distressed over something, whether it was militarily or personal, he would write to Henry Knox as a friend and so that he could hear a consoling voice. It was, it was very important to him, that type of relationship. And uh, they, he and Henry Knox were the only two generals who fought during the entire war besides George Washington. So they had the distinction of being there the entire time mm-hmm. and serving the entire time. How amazing is it, Selena, that here we have Henry Knox, who's a bookstore owner, Nathaniel Green, who was raised a Quaker, and neither one of them have any military experience, end up exactly. being end up being phenomenal generals for the American Revolution. Exactly, it's it's amazing. And Lucy Knox and uh, Henry Knox's wife and Katie Green, Nathaniel's wife, were also friends. They mm-hmm. sometimes didn't see eye to eye, but <laughs> most of the time they got along pretty well. They were in winter cantonments with the Continental Army together mm-hmm. often, and so they became they became friends. Caddy mm-hmm. uh, or Katie Green had a tendency to be a lot more uh, flamboyant than than Lucy Knox, <laughs> shall we say? <laughs> yes. However, Lucy Knox, as Nathaniel warned Katie, he warned her to watch out for her spelling because Lucy Knox was scholarly, which, of course, wounded Katie's pride. But, yeah. So Henry Knox, Nathaniel Green, 
they're friends from the bookstore. They they both have interests in military, and they both end up being on uh, Washington staff. So get us from uh, when Nathaniel Green forms the militia and he's a private to when he's now becoming a general. How did he get connected with General Washington outside Boston? Uh, he was there during the siege of Boston. Nathaniel was. He had set up camp in Roxbury. He actually missed the Battle of Bunker Hill, uh, which was fought on June 17, 1775 in Charlestown Peninsula, north of Boston. Nathaniel was in Rhode Island on a recruiting trip. When he came back, the uh, commander-in-chief of the new, the new commander-in-chief of the recently formed Continental Army, General George Washington, arrived. Uh, that would have, would have been on July 2nd, 1775, I believe. And uh, Nathaniel sent a letter of introduction to him. What they said to one another is unknown. I have not seen anything in his writings where he talks about what the two of them spoke of. Mm -hmm. But when Washington arrived, the Continental Congress, which was a civilian governing body at the time, and had appointed four major generals and eight brigadier generals. When Washington came, he brought with him those that news and Nathaniel was promoted to the last brigadier general and he was only 32. So he at the time was the army continental army's youngest general. So Washington obviously saw several traits in Nathaniel green where he was quickly elevated in command. And then Washington gives him the confidence to command himself. Yes, and, and I think, you know, people ask what did Washington see in Nathaniel Green, which, again, is kind of an enigma. Me, I think that some of the things they had in common, like they were both self-educated, they both worked on their mother's or their parents' farm. I think the loyalty in, in was some of the things Washington saw in him. Mm-hmm. But, yes, he quickly put his faith in Nathaniel Green. And I'm curious, Selena, have you seen the, because we live in the Valley Forge area, have you seen the statue of Nathaniel Green at, at Valley Forge? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I have to send you the picture I took of me with him. I was, oh. I was so excited. <laughs> I, I posted w- on social media and <laughs> I was like, yay! <laughs> I'm I'm curious for your your thinking of how much is that a, a, a fairly accurate representation of Nathaniel Green. I thought it was really good. I've seen a lot of statues of people, and I think that the the uh, sculptor did a really good job. Mm-hmm. And um, I brought him lots of flowers and some flags and a little rubber ducky from the Valley Forge gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, sure he appreciated really? that. <laughs> <laughs> and listeners, if you if you haven't seen uh, the statue of Nathaniel Green, it's it's right in front of Washington's Chapel. Oh, if you're looking at the door, it's out on uh, Route 23, closer to Route yes. 23 to the left, to the left uh, of the chapel. So I, I I wish it wasn't there. I wish it was more visible in another part of the park, but it's there. And, and it's I, I agree. It yeah. is very not visible, even though you can see it from the road. But if you don't know it's there, you don't yeah. know where to look. Yeah, yeah, that's a shame but, but because mm-hmm. he had such a significance there. So we have about four minutes left in this section. Share with our listeners, please, uh, uh, Caddy Green, you know, how they met, you know, their, their, their life together. 
uh, Katie was a the niece of one of Nathaniel's very distant relatives, William Green, who later became governor of Rhode Island. But William's wife was raising her niece, Catherine Littlefield. Uh, Katie's mother had died when she was six. And um, <clears throat> Katie was from Block Island, Rhode Island, but they sent her to East Greenwich to live with her aunt so she could get an education, be raised by a woman. So Nathaniel would go to William Green's house often, and he uh, met Katie there. At the, t- the first time he met her, he was Nathaniel was actually in love with another woman named Nancy Ward, but she refused to marry him and broke his heart, and he was, you know, he's just felt terrible about the whole thing. And finally, Katie Green started growing up and she caught his eye. And uh, she was 19 and he was almost 32 when they married and their courtship was really short. As far as exactly what she saw in him, I'm unsure. What he saw in her was what everyone saw in her. She was this beautiful, vivacious, Mm -hmm woman who could talk, you know, politics, speak French, just happy, laughing. And Nathaniel was a, he had a good sense of humor and liked to joke around. And, you know, maybe the two of them spent time drinking wine and telling jokes and stories. And, but he was madly in love with her. Mm. And, um, he, she came to winter cantonments when she could. She was at the Siege of Boston, uh, came to take care of him. He came, he came down with jaundice in January 1776. She came to take care of him, and she was very, very pregnant at the time. And she came to Cantonments very pregnant often and had a baby there. One of them in uh, Morristown, New Jersey in 1780, mm-hmm. she actually gave birth to their fourth child uh, wow. son. They named Nathaniel Ray there. It was a difficult, long-distance relationship because he was gone so much. Yes, yeah. And General Washington really liked uh, Caddy Green. Oh, yes. He he, he was, appreciated her personality immensely. She was one of his favorites, and he would often make sure that Nathaniel's letters would get to her and vice mm-hmm. versa. And they actually danced together for three hours, Washington and Katie for three hours without sitting down in the Morristown or Middlebrook encampment mm-hmm. in February, 1779. And um, yeah, she was a favorite among many of the officers. Yes. She listened to their story. She could like I said, speak French. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I've, I understand that, that the general Washington danced more with Katie, Katie Green during the winter Encampment of Valley Forge and then the other officers' wives. And there was nothing ever thought anything was going on. He just Never. really, really liked liked the, uh, Nathaniel Green's wife, Caddy. So. Yes. And he, Washington was, yeah, he was a dancer and he enjoyed the company of, of women, you know, over, sure. over dinner and whatnot. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we had this commanding general who was a large man who was not only a good horseman, he, but he's obviously a very good dancer who really appreciated and liked Caddy Green quite quite a bit. So He joked to her, too, and tell her that he didn't mean to take her away from her Quaker preacher. 
<laughs> yeah. So, well, even so though we, Nathaniel wasn't a preacher, <laughs> we are up against time for this segment. You only began to scratch the surface on Nathaniel Green. So, thank you for sharing a little bit with Nathaniel Green, and we're going to continue, listeners, in our next program with Selena to continue her thinking and, and talking about Nathaniel Green. So, Selena, thank you for coming and thank sharing you, today. Arch. And listeners, remember, you can buy all Selena's books on Amazon and get, find out her blog and her website. So, Selena, thank you. For, appreciate thank it very much. Thank you so much. Yes. And so, listeners, we're going to continue on in our next program with Selena. This is 1180 WFYL, Working for Your Liberty.